Oh, oh, oh. 
6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Why, why? It's our zemer from Istanbul. We now are good friends, which I guess is no Yiddish. And you should hear how after Drachem in Yiddish. Our wives are now soulmates, the kids love to play. And Kalmin, now it's one big bowl of couscous every day. We look forward to Shabbos to come grace our home and the spirit of Kedisha Most of all, we love Zibirot to chant with our sons. And this old tune from... Kalmin, es mach nit ois. This old tune from somewhere we Shalom, Yoetz Kel Gibor, 
JM in the AM. Leva Nefesh with Mimkomcha. You heard Leviatan with Dror Yikrash. Uh, Shalom Shalom, that was Sholi. Journeys with Shvashkenaz, one of my favorite Zemiro songs. <laughs> it's not even a Zemer, and it's one of my favorite Zemiro songs. Pe'er, Lachadodi, Ve'ineinu, and Limik Dashech. Ol Shlomo Kalbach as his yard site's coming up on um, on Friday, and a lot of people are celebrating or I should well, yeah, I guess we would say in this case celebrating the art site. Uh, commemorating, thank you, commemorating the art site uh, this Shabbos with a Kalbach Shabbat or a Shabbat Kalbach. Um, the art site this coming Friday, a week from today. We'll try to get in as much uh, Kalbach music on Friday, I, I would assume, as possible. Shalom Aleichem done by Aish, and of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Friday on this October the 15th, the 9th of Mar Cheshvan. Wow! Happy anniversary, Stacey Siegel. We got married the 9th of Marcheshvan 32 years ago. Best decision I ever made, to say the least. <laughs> um, Erev Shabbos Parshas Lech Lecha. That was our Ufruf Shabbos. Not Ufruf. Ufruf was Noach. That was our Shevabracha Shabbos. was Parshas Lech Lecha. Right here on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. How do you like that? Life is funny, huh? Candle lighting at 555 on this Erev Shabbos. 555. Uh, make sure you know when things start where you are. We're 555 here in the New York area. Again, make sure you know when things start where you are in terms of candle lighting time. 67 degrees, 81% humidity, winds are north at 2 miles an hour. Mix of sun and clouds, high of 78, then partly cloudy tonight, low 67. And tomorrow afternoon, thunderstorms, a high Shabbos. 78 degrees. We're at 84 in Yerushalayim, 67 here in New York City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. Uh, Malcolm Holmline is scheduled. He'll join us coming up here at JM in the AM, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time, about an hour from now with the weekly update. Harry Rothenberg, Rabbi Yudin, plenty more, of course, as you would suspect. Sunday's the Ten Yad event. Go to tenyad.org to support and um, and be part of that amazing Auction and fundraiser. 84, did I say 84 in Yerushalayim? 67 here in New York. Good morning. JM and the AM at a quarter before the hour. Uh, like I said, plenty going on. Lots happening. And um, we're here until 9 a.m. with your amazing JM and the AM broadcast. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. Only Smachot says have a wonderful Shabbos, NSN. Enjoy your program so much. Thank you from Yudi in Cleveland. Thank you, Yudi, and hello, Cleveland. Ha! Chaya says, love the unity message of Shvashkenaz. <laughs> Shabbat shalom to all my sisters and brothers. Yes, that's a, uh, <laughs> there's something about that. Well, first of all, I love the fact that Mayor Abitan, my dear friend, Mayor Abitan, Dr. Mayor Abitan, is, is featured prominently in that selection. But it's also a fun song and one of, uh, one of great unity, which, excuse moi, which we need so desperately. More coming up. It's JM in the AM, and um, uh, this is David Gabe.
J.M. in the A.M. with Regesh and Aishas Chayil. We'll dedicate that to the amazing Stacy Siegel. Today we celebrate our 32nd wedding anniversary on the 9th of Mar Cheshvan. David Gabay with Yom Zeh. You heard Mim Komcha from Leiva Nefesh. 
And it's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NalcolmSegal.com and the NalcolmSegal Network. And, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Homeline at 740. Weekly update coming up. Plenty more happening between now and 9 a.m. Plus at 10 o'clock, the Erev Shabbos show with Mark Zamek. Specific for Lachacha. Brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Galei Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next to J-Man. גלי צהל השעה שתיים, באולפן מתן לוי עם מה שקורה עכשיו. באפגניסטן לפחות 25 הרוגים ועשרות פצועים בפיצוץ במסגד בעיר קנדהר, שבדרום המדינה שנמצאת בשליטת הטליבן. כתב חדשות החוץ טל שנהב מוסר כי מדובר ככל הנראה בפיגוע התאבדות. בשלב זה אף גורם או ארגון לא קיבל עליו את האחריות. תושב ירושלים בן 32 נאשם בביצוע עבירות אונס, מעשים מגונים ומעשה סדום בקטינה כבת 12. על פי כתב האישום, יצחק לבנון ביצע את המעשים בקטינה במשך תקופה של כשנתיים ובתדירות של לפחות פעם בשבוע. המפגשים בין התוקף לקורבן החלו על רקע היכרות מוקדמת עם משפחתה. הפרקליטות מבקשת מבית המשפט להורות על מעצרו של הנאשם עד תום ההליכים המשפטיים נגדו. הולך רגל כבן 80 נפצע באורח בינוני ברחוב פרישמן בתל אביב לאחר שנפגע מקורקינט. חופשים ופרמדיקים של מגן דוד אדום העניקו לו טיפול רפואי ופינו אותו לבית החולים איכילוב עם חבלה בראשו. ידיעה שהעביר כתבנו בן נצר. הסופר וראש עיריית בית שאן לשעבר יצחק קינן הלך אתמול לעולמו בגיל 79. קינן עלה לארץ ממרוקו, כתב סיפורים קצרים וספרים, וידוע במיוחד כמי שחיבר את מילות השיר "ים השיבולים" של הגבעתרון, וכן את השירים "עמק שלי" ו"פנס בשלכת". כתבתנו אורזוי סולומוני מציינת שקינן יובא למנוחות ביום שני בבית העלמין בכפר סבא. תחזית מזג האוויר היום תחול עלייה קלה בטמפרטורות וייתכן טפטוף עד גשם מקומי קל. מחר, יום שבת, הטמפרטורות תרדנה מעט. אלה החדשות שעורכת מוריה אסרף וולברג. Children will be like the stars 
J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Lech Lecha. I want to thank Mark Zamek for inspiring us to uh, play as much music as we can that has to do with that week's Parsha. That's something that Mark did years ago and can, started years ago and continues to do with the Israel show. With the Israel show. Oh, gosh. <sighs> I, I know why I made that mistake. Continues to do with the Erev Shabbos show every single Thursday night. Plus, remember, you can listen to the Erev Shabbos show at 10 o'clock this morning. And get all the Parsha-centric music that Mark can think of. Uh, all brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. We thank them very, very much. Why wouldn't we? They sponsor so much of our great programming, especially Thursday and Friday. So we can't thank them enough. And um, and uh, and yeah, that tradition continues here at the Nahum Siegel Network every single Thursday night at 7 p.m., Friday morning at 3 a.m. and 10 a.m., the Arab Shabbos show. The fifth annual Makar Run and Walk is this Sunday in Marine Park. All proceeds benefit Makar Disability Services. If you want to register or sponsor a runner, go to runformakar.org. Run the number four, makar.org, to participate in that. Runformakar.org. Um, this portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at a and Oh, yes. I was at Aaron's yesterday and purchased some incredible packages of A&H hot dogs. Um, and you could do the same. Abel's and Hyman kosher hot dog sausage in Delhi is the world's best. Simple as that. You want good kosher hot dogs? That's it. A&H. Serving the kosher world since 1954 and available at better kosher supermarkets nationwide. Try A&H today. You'll be glad you did. That I could tell you. You'll be very glad you did. Harry Rothenberg has uh, something to say about Parsha's Lech Lecha, and we are honored to present it. Harry Rothenberg, Parsha's Lech Lecha, JM in the AM. Each one of the patriarchs is known for having excelled in or perfected one particular character trait. Abraham, the first of them, is known for his chesed, his kindness, but it's a little curious. If you look at his career arc, this week's total portion and the ones that follow, you don't see that many amazing examples of kindness. Yes, he's sitting outside his tent looking for guests after he circumcises himself at God's command at the age of 99. And when God sends guests, angels dressed as men, he feeds them a very nice meal. And he does intercede on behalf of the wicked residents of Sodom to argue for mercy or clemency. But compare those few examples to so many more and so many more impressive examples of him demonstrating gvura, might, inner strength, the character trait for which his son Yitzchak is known. Avram, at a young age, stands up to his father Terach and destroys his idols. He stands up to King Nimrod, who throws him into a furnace. He faces off against Pharaoh and against Avimelech. He goes to war against four kings who have just defeated five kings. 
He argues with God for mercy for the residents of Sodom, and then he demonstrates his willingness to sacrifice his son Yitzchak. So many more examples, and so many more impressive examples of Gevura, inner strength, than Chesed. So why is Avram known instead for his Chesed? I heard a possible explanation as follows. Maybe Gevura came naturally to Avraham. Maybe God endowed him with tremendous natural inner strength. That's not to take anything away from somebody who showed willingness to sacrifice his own son. But maybe Chesed wasn't natural to him. Maybe he wasn't naturally a kind, gentle guy, and it was difficult for him to engage in acts of kindness. It's a much bigger deal if Scrooge McDuck or the Grinch give charity than if a naturally generous person does. There's someone with whom I'm very close, who's very happy, very sunny disposition, always quick with a joke or to light up your smoke, as Billy Joel would say. He doesn't smoke and you shouldn't, I'm just using the phrase. But he spoke once about this, and he said, people often mention the fact that I'm always happy. I have a confession to make. I'm not always happy. Sometimes I wake up in a bad mood, and I have to force myself to put a smile on my face. It takes work. And that's the work that we're put here to do. We're put here to work on refining our baser character traits. Yes, of course we're supposed to use the resources that we have and our natural disposition or proclivities to help others and to serve God. But you get tremendous credit working on the things that are difficult for you. Now, if there's anyone out there watching this saying, I'm good as is, I don't have to work on anything, please, Reach out to me, send me your contact info so that I can get in touch and shake your hand because you'll be the first and only person that I've met that doesn't have to work on anything. And if we're honest with ourselves, we know, each one of us knows what we have to work on. So what are we waiting for? Let's get to work.
J.M. in the A.M. with Sfor. It's uh, Yossi Green with words from this week's Parsha as uh, as um, Avraham Avinu is instructed to count the stars. Not an easy feat, and that's the point, right? Count the stars. That'll be the number of children you have, and we have the uh, incredible privilege of being children of Abraham, of Avraham Avinu. J.M. in the A.M. on this uh, Friday morning, October the 15th, the 9th of Marcheshvan. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Kalbach's yard site, the yard site of Reb Shlomo Kalbach, is a week from today. So we'll be uh, featuring his music, obviously, a week from today on a Friday morning broadcast. But a lot of people have uh, Kalbach Shabbatot going on this week. Uh, and if you do or have a Kalbach service tonight, enjoy. Always inspiring, and um, there's certain minyanim that are just awesome when it comes to the way they present their uh, Friday night Kalbach service. J.M. in the AM on a Friday morning. Well, there's some amazing people in this world, and uh, one of our favorites is, of course, David Cutler. Uh, David Cutler is one of the good people out there, and uh, <laughs> one of the reasons is because he leads an effort to bring thousands of uh, Jewish children, both to Israel and other parts of the world, uh, so they can enhance, and, um, cont- enhance their uh, heritage, their Judaism, and at the same time be inspired during the summer months to uh, keep them rejuvenated 
all year round. I'm referring, of course, to NCSY Summer. It's summer.ncsy.org, summer.ncsy.org. Any inquiries, summer at ncsy.org. David Cutler, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nahum. Thank you for that intro. That's fantastic. I really appreciate that. Well, i got to tell that to my wife. <laughs> well, See if she agrees. I'm well, not sure. Well, well, you're one of the few who actually deserves it, so I'm happy to do it. Uh, Thank you. David, is it is it possible the last time we spoke on the air was actually uh, in Israel? Was actually when we were visiting uh, uh, and uh, doing programming uh, from, uh, I guess it would be NCSY Cola was the second of the shows that we did. I believe so. It seems like it was a very long time ago, but I believe it was only a couple months, but I believe so. Yeah, in some that, ways, it seems it like a long time. In some ways, it seems like yesterday. Pretty amazing. And now summer 2022 is, uh, as you put it in a note to me, is, is open for business. But I mean, really open for business, because I would assume if you're approaching numbers uh, and thinking about numbers like you had last summer, you probably already have a massive registration. How's it going so far? We do. Thank God. We have se- we have several hundred kids who've registered already. There's uh, in Baruch Hashem. There's there's a real excitement for summer in general. This, this past summer, as you know, uh, was a real schuss to have a summer. To be in Israel this summer was just a tremendous, tremendous honor, and it went so great. Our staff did a wonderful job, and the kids had an absolute blast. And uh, so people were. Thrilled that we pulled it off. It was literally a miracle to, to get into Israel um, at the time that we did and to be able to have our Yom NCSY and our Kol Kumzitz and, uh, you know, and Tishabov and to be able to have just an incredible summer all over, really in the United States also, in Baltimore and upstate New York. It was yeah. a tremendous miracle. So people are very excited for that, and it carries over. And uh, we opened up registration earlier than we ever have, and we're seeing great numbers so far. Thank well, God. Yom NCSY is amazing, and obviously when we're able to be there, it's incredible for us, and uh, we are able to bring that whole spirit to the to the world. And uh, so we concentrate a lot on Israel. But as I said in the opening, and as you just reiterated, there are other parts of the world as well, whether it's Europe or the U.S., uh, where the NCSY summer programs also have um, a great programming and wonderful opportunities. Now, speaking of opportunities, a lot of us, and, and, and obviously the website would outline this for all parents and all kids out there, but a lot of us uh, are familiar with the long list of NCSY programs. Uh, what I didn't realize is that you're adding even more again to that list for 2022. What update can you give us? We are. So we're very, very, very excited to announce that we, we're partnering with Cam Cayley, uh, a wonderful, wonderful organization. Our, our two organizations are very much aligned in, in how we inspire and educate uh, children today. And we're partnering with them uh, to open a program called Camp Impact. Uh, which is a travel program. Camp Cayley runs a program for one month for boys and one month for girls in their camp, and they're continuing to do that, and they do a wonderful job. For the other month, uh, we are working with them on a travel program, uh, one for boys and one for girls in grades 5 through 9, two different divisions, girls and boys entering in entering grades 6, 7, and 8 is one division, and girls and boys and again, separate programs, one right. for girls, one for boys. Right. Entering the grades 9 and 10 is the other division. Uh, our program, formerly known as RTC, which is run by Rabbi Avi Rosalimsky, is now part of this, uh, part of this umbrella called Impact. And, uh, and we're working with Kaylee together uh, to run this beautiful, uh, no pun intended or sort of pun intended, impactful uh, travel program <laughs> uh, that runs for four weeks and uh, will be just fantastic. It will fe- it'll feature amazing trips. 
wonderful sports, wonderful uh, you know learning opportunities, which both our organizations are known for, and we're we're extremely excited. Not unusual for you to partner up with uh, existing camps and with uh, existing programs, frankly, and incorporate whatever you you, you basically want to do the best you can for the kids out there, and uh, this obviously will have, as you say, a great impact. So it's not unusual for these partnerships to take place, and you take full advantage of them. Yeah, we do. And like I said, the two the two organizations are, are very much aligned. You know, Kaylee, which is run by OHEL, is uh, just a wonderful program, and, and we have so many staff that really that overlap between the two organizations, and, and we are – we're just we're two organizations that are dedicated to inspiring and educating children. That, that's the bottom line. And we're starting so now we're starting, as opposed to starting you know seventh, eighth grade, ninth grade. We're starting already going into sixth grade because there's a there's a need for it, and uh, and we want to inspire kids and educate them at a younger age. By the way, really, we, really great. We should make this point again. Um, NTSY summer. A lot of people always think tenth grade, eleventh grade, and for obvious reasons. But now. You really have expanded to include a lot more grades over the years, and people should not assume uh, that there isn't a program for their child out there. Correct. They really, you know, we're we're getting younger and younger, and uh, again, we're finding the experience is so transformative. And, and why not start it at a younger age? And therefore, uh, they really already a current fifth grader uh, can go can, can already experience this program called Impact. Uh, and there are other programs as well. Our camp sports program starts, which is still a beautiful program in Baltimore for boys. Um, in, in the month of July, that, that want to experience uh, a program in Baltimore starts already post grade eight, and uh, and we have lots of programs. The, the thing that I love about our programs, not that I'm a little bit maybe biased towards our programs, but that we have something for everybody. We have kids who want to go to Israel. We have kids who want to go to Europe. We have kids who prefer learning, kids who prefer more of a of a TUL based program, or kids who prefer an internship. We have a program called Next Step Internship Program, which has exploded. So we had almost 100 kids last summer who came to Israel uh, to get an internship, uh, and in, in many different fields. And, and there's nothing like it. No other high school program gives internships uh, in Israel in, in real fields. You know, in in medical. In uh, in not for profit, in uh, in engineering, really just a, an incredible program for a kid who wants to build their resume uh, in Israel for the summer. We have a program called that Solar Rescue, which is if you want to get a, a first responder certificate and you want to become an EMT. So we have a program called that Solar Rescue that takes place in Israel. We work with Ichud Hatsala in Israel. So we just we're very diverse, and we have so many different kinds of programs for so many different kinds. We work again. We have kids from all over the world joining us now: Argentina, uh, the United Kingdom, America. It's uh, it's you know, so many kids from Canada. It's a beautiful experience. So you're coming, and you're you're literally meeting from kids from all walks of life, all backgrounds, and experiencing a summer like you've never had before. And it's funny because uh, those who listen to this show carefully know that all through this journey with Hatzala Rescue and Next Step. Uh, there were a lot of skeptics that it wouldn't work, especially Next Step, that there wouldn't be enough organizations and outfits in Israel that would open their doors for, you know, three, four, five weeks to young people from the United States to actually participate and be part of their staff and volunteer uh, a group. And, and look what happened. You, <laughs> I don't think even you expected it to explode the way it has. Yeah, to the point where we're actually really, we, we start now to find interns. If we have somebody pretty much working in Israel full time, for this program to find internships, and we don't. And again, we're not just talking. You're not. You're not making coffee, and you're not. Uh, you know, you're not making copies. Right. You have, you're, there are real <laughs> internships and in companies uh, that we're working with that are that are thrilled to get these kids. At uh, first, it was kind of a favor. You'll do us a favor, but now it's become a really a beautiful internship program. And and, and like I said, it exploded last summer. We had we had close to a hundred kids that had signed up last summer. 
Uh, we expect at least that number, if not a little more, this summer. And we're working very hard now already to secure internships for the summer for anybody interested. And you will likely hit um, and exceed 2,000 total, at least 2,000 total, with all these programs together for the summer of 2022. God willing, because again, we'll be back. And God willing, we'll be back in Europe this summer, and right. we'll be back. You know, we didn't. We were we were in the United States and Israel last year, and we had extra programs here in the United States. We hope to be back in Poland this summer. God willing, we hope to be back in Europe this summer. Uh, everything really is a full go for us, and, and full steam ahead. And uh, and yeah, two thousand is a number that uh, we should, God willing, hit and exceed. And uh, you know, our, our staff and our kids are just very very excited and. Uh, it's only it's the middle of October, but for us, uh, summer is uh, is well underway. Oh, believe me, a lot of parents are already thinking about uh, the summer. It happens this time uh, around this time every single year. Go to summer.ncsy.org. The boys' trips are outlined there. The girls' trips are outlined there. The co-ed trips are outlined there. Everything you need to know is all described on the website, and you'll see what's best for your child, and you'll be able to uh, to choose with them uh, which NCSY program they should be attending and enjoying this summer summer.ncsy.org david cutler anything else you'd like to add is there any de- any deadline or dates we need to know the end of october is our early bird special the end of the october 31st to, to to get the early bird and people should know again that we would love for you to reach out to us and talk to us about your child and, and his or her friends and what they want to do uh, we, have, we have a couple of other new programs in the works as well which we'll hopefully hopefully announce soon we'll come back and we'll uh, we'll talk about them soon but we're you know, we're all, we just have some uh, some beautiful other locations that are in the works. We might actually be going. Uh, some of our programs might hit uh, Rwanda as a, as an as an add-on to Israel. Uh, we're talking about a couple of other locations, but the idea is any any kid out there, we have something for you, no matter what your background, no matter what your interest. Uh, we obviously love Israel, but we also, like I said, have Europe. We have a program in Baltimore, um, and we just have uh, we have a beautiful transformative experience. Uh, for any kid out there, and uh, and encourage everyone to come talk to us and uh, come on, like you said, take take a look at the website and uh, and see how we can uh, inspire you this summer. Summer.ncsy.org. David, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Continued good luck and have a, a wonderful Shabbos. Thank you, Nachum. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and uh, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. Thank more, you. More coming up Friday morning, Erev Shabbos at JM in the AM.
Sing come the seventh day and the seventh day of every week. Each up is our day of rest for the one above. We look our best. Sing a song of praise. Shabbos we shall keep. Ms. Halechli or Kolerach, 
Yeah. May not be the classic Kum Hitalech Ba'aretz, but it certainly reminds us that this week's Parsha should remind us about the land that should be most important to us. All members of the Jewish faith. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Before that, you heard the uh, Mizmar Shir done by Aryeh Kunstler, Shlomo Katz with Ufros. Thanks for joining us on this Erev Shabbos Parsha's Lechacha, candle lighting at 5.55 on this Erev Shabbos. Please keep in mind our friends at jewishworldreview.com, jewishworldreview.com. You know what you're uh, guaranteed when you go to that website. Thousands of articles to print out before Shabbos so that you can uh, enhance your education and your inspiration. They have a lot of spiritual articles as well. Uh, go to jewishworldreview.com. Check it out. Print out some material before Shabbos. It will um, uh, certainly enhance your reading time. That I can guarantee you. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He's with us Fridays, 8.40, 8.40, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. 
Good morning. We'll have to get you a new clock, I guess. Either that or I have to figure out a way to stop being confused. But uh, you might suggest, because you know what it's like uh, keeping late hours, you might suggest a bit more sleep. That does work for you, right? When you when you find yourself well-rested, you're a little bit better off, no? Saturday night's the most productive time of the week. You always, then after that, it's downhill from there. You always say that, which, of course, is, is poetic justice that we have you on Friday morning, which is, of course, as we, as we go. It, it's, as, it's the last string exactly. of energy. Yeah, right. it, it's as downhill as you can get. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, I don't know if uh, last week's journey is public or private. Is it something we could discuss on the air or not? Yes. Okay, great. T- tell, us, tell us where you were and why. I was in Kiev or Kiev, as it's called now, which is um, obviously in the Ukraine. Uh, we were there for the 80th anniversary of the massacre at Babinyar, wow. where on September 29th and 30th of 1941, 33,711 Jews were shot. This was not the Holocaust that we know from concentration camps and gas chambers. This is called the Holocaust of Bullets because each one was shot individually, every child, every woman, every man. And for those 48 hours around the clock, and you had the Nazis with their local collaborators, ultimately 100,000 people were killed at Babiyar, including the Roma Christians and Muslims, but mostly Jews. And when the Russians came in after the war, they... they um, uh, destroyed whatever last vestiges were there, and people would walk around, they would find bones. In the 1960s, a group of Jews tried to build a memorial and clean it up and ran into opposition uh, from the communist regimes. And, you know, it's a very important at a time when Holocaust denial is so rampant and Holocaust distortion, when young people, a lack of ignorance about the Holocaust is so endemic it, it, uh, it's almost unbelievable they can't identify an Auschwitz or, or much of the what event uh, what occurred the Holocaust. I think having uh, something that memorializes, especially the Holocaust of bullets, that which is a much more personal act when you have to face and shoot somebody, a baby. It's just it's so horrific to to contemplate it. And the um, so there are a group of people who put up a lot of money to begin to build memorials, some of which are up. But I think in the end there will be 11 museums dealing with each of the groups uh, that were killed there. There's a pop-up synagogue in the shape of a book that is very beautiful. And um, I'm sure many people will will now go and visit um, because it's representative of the many places that were killing fields in local communities where people killed the Jews and they would bury them. And only now, and especially because of the work of Patrick Dubois, a Catholic priest who has spent years and years going across Ukraine, Russia, other places, finding where Jews were killed because they would confess to to a priest. And he tried to seal those places with concrete so they'd be identified and be able to to prevent them being looted or desecrated in the hope that later things can be done with them as well. Uh, I'm assuming, and, and you act, actually may have mentioned this, and if I missed it, I apologize. I'm assuming members of the Ukrainian government were, were part of this ceremony? Oh, absolutely. The president, Zelensky, is Jewish and very demonstratively Jewish. Oh, right. I remember you told me. And, um, and the prime minister is. Right. And the mayor of uh, Kiev, if I recall right, um, a former boxer who stands about, I don't know, he's, he's even taller than you, which is <laughs> hard to believe. But And he and his brother, who are like, it's like standing between the Twin Towers. Um, 
the, and he was the brother was the world champion for ten years, and I think he was a world champion. Um, but the people, many of the people, the officials we met, all proclaimed the Jewish ancestry of one kind or another. The president of Israel came, the president of Germany, the speaker of the house of the, the parliament of the Georgia, and others were there, uh, officials from all over. And uh, Secretary Blinken had sent a message, and there were some U.S. officials there. Um, uh, no high-ranking Europeans actually were there, which was disappointing, and I don't know what the message is. Um, and, of course, you know, the Russians and the Ukrainians are, are at each other's throats, right. so they don't uh, participate. I actually remember uh, my father being frustrated that the young people did not know what Bobby R was. Like it's, it's, I mean, there's so many episodes, obviously, from World War II and so many episodes and incidents that we could cite. Uh, but that was, I mean, as you just described, quite significant and quite deadly. And, uh, and, and, and But it was purposeful. Right. He exactly. was right. That was the difference, that this was a deliberate campaign to obliterate it, to not to remember, to, to hide the guilt. Uh, and there were. There were righteous Gentiles in Ukraine. Right. Do you know that a million and a half Jews were killed in World War II? A quarter of the six million died in the Ukraine. It's not something people generally know. And the, and the massive effort that was undertaken to kill the Jews and how it was done um, is, is not is not really known. But this is a deliberate effort to obscure it, to to deny it. And now I have to say, you have to credit the government and others that they it was widely covered in the press. It was um, uh, certainly in the Ukraine very uh, publicly. The public was very aware of it. Um, Malcolm Holmline with us. What could you tell us about the Israel airstrikes in Syria this week and the Iranian response? Well, there have been ongoing efforts by Israel to um, prevent uh, more more advanced technology from getting to Hezbollah or to some of the militias in uh, in Syria. This is um, these are not new. They they hit some of the same targets where we know that um, missiles were stored and other things, uh, other equipment that uh, that they took out. And this is uh, the the reaction. Uh, by the way, the Syrians have still been pretty muted. They, they every once in a while shot a missile, but you see the Russians are not activating the anti-aircraft system, uh, although Israel has to be very careful, and they avoid certain provocations or areas that could be seen as a provocation uh, to to the Russians. But the uh, the escalation in in Syria uh, is serious because the the Iranians have doubled the number of troops over the past year that they have in Syria, and there is this internal competition between Russia, Iran, and Turkey over gaining prominence. And now that Assad has more or less solidified his position, um, not permanently, but uh, right. d- d- deliberately. Uh, and will likely remain. So now the the question is, each of them aligns with the other to get rid of the third. So the I know the Syrians and Russians would like to push the Tur- the Iranians back. They certainly want to push Turkey back. Uh, the the um, no one yet has the ability to completely dominate, but it's going to be part of the competition. And for Israel, obviously, it's very vital, given the the closeness to the border to the Golan that the um, both the militias, uh, Iranian-backed militias, and the Hezbollah uh, sustain. Yeah, we always talk about the Iranian threat nuclear-wise, and obviously that's a big concern, obviously. Uh, but you can't forget about the presence in Syria and what danger that poses 
uh, to Israel, God forbid. What about the letter that Iran wrote? Uh, uh, by the way, I don't, I don't know. It's the first time I ever saw that a letter was submitted to the U.N. I assume that that's protocol, right? That when they... It, yeah, that, uh, it's protocol, and right. it's the ultimate chutzpah that, that Iran you know, writes its letter. Yeah. Did you see, you know, it's very interesting how the media completely ignores when the vice president of Iran uh, for economic affairs, um, Mohsen uh, Rizzi, um he, he made a public statement warning that the 10,000 Jews in Iran were hostages against Israel. And the, the, um, there's an organization, an opposition organization, that wrote a post on its Telegram account saying that he said in the speech, the Israeli government knows very well that if it makes a mistake, the regime will treat the 10,000 Jews living in Iran differently. As you know, on this show, I've warned about oh, that yes. for so many years oh, that they, yes. will, they will manipulate that population. They will do, God forbid, things. So far, they haven't. The Jews there you know, live in relatively normal lives for people in Iran. The internal situation is, continues to deteriorate for everyone. Both the COVID the toll is very high, but also the drought has impacted about half the country. The currency is almost worthless. The price of oil going up has helped them a lot um, because that, that they sell oil through to China and to others, um, both, both certainly illicitly in violation of the sanctions. But the, um, uh, the internal situation continues to deteriorate. There are massive demonstrations against the government of Iran, which don't get reported outside. And the, you know, the stability there is, is a test, and it was tested this week, particularly the past couple of weeks, on the border with Azerbaijan, where Iran has said that they were angry that Israel, as people, um, which Israel does assist Azerbaijan, and they do joint exercises, and Israel is able to, to use its airspace to, for their air, uh, pilots to train, and many other things. But in the recent war in Nagar-Karabakh, where Iran backs the Armenians against Muslim Shiite uh, Azerbaijan, which was aligned with Turkey and Israel. And the, so they massed troops along the border, the biggest buildup since the Iran-Iraq war, and uh, massive numbers of tanks and stuff along the Azeri border. Now, they can't move, and the reason why the internal situation is so important is because there are 30 million Azeris in Iran, and they're becoming increasingly nationalistic and disassociating from the central regime, frustrated with the central regime. And they, so they, they will certainly rise up if, if Iran really made a move against, um, against Azerbaijan. So now they're, they're supposedly going to be some talks, but the differences are, are very fundamental. And they, it's not going to be resolved by, um, you know, over a chit-chat table. All they do is reduce the tensions uh, for now. But it was escalating very fast, and uh, Aliyev, the president of Azerbaijan, made some very strong statements as well. And so you have Iran on a number of its borders facing serious challenges, and the uh, and with its poor economy and domestic concerns, uh, you know it's not a solid. That's why we have to keep the sanctions on. That's the key. And all this is just, if nothing else, that is the key. You know, they, they have the chutzpah to go public and announce that they have 265 kilograms at 20%. And we know that they have 60% enriched uranium. And it's increasing rapidly. In September, it was like 185. In March, it was 130. Uh, and 375 is enough for a bomb wow. at 90%. But that's just technical about how you, you, you jack it up. 
So it, when people talk about, you know, well, the threat's not imminent, not imminent, they're moving all the time on this and on their delivery system. And the other area they're moving, which may people don't, I think, take seriously enough, is on the drones. They are perfecting more and more advanced killer drones as they used in, remember in Saudi Arabia when they yeah. were able to go all around the Gulf and hit him. They're advancing because in part because their air force is so antiquated and their planes are not that effective. They need to have the, these drones and they're using them in Iraq, they're using them in Syria, they're using them in the, and providing them to the Houthis and to Hezbollah and to Hamas. Uh, so they, they, you know, they're moving ahead on each front uh, despite the fact that their people pay the price. On the earlier point, and I, I go back only because I know there are listeners who are concerned and, and, and are curious, uh, because you have told us that you, I mean, you've told us openly, you've told us, you know, with uh, uh, in more roundabout ways that, that you and others are in touch with the Iranian Jewish community. Uh, is there still an effort or advice from American leaders to them to leave or to, uh, you know, do they give you, do you give or do people here give them specific direction uh, is there still a is there still a, a line of communication over the last couple of years when it comes to this issue? There are lines of communication. Um, many of them have relatives in America, uh, but most of the conversations are about you know family matters and their internal situation. It's mostly with non-Jews that we get our information. Right. We don't want to jeopardize the Jewish community. Um, and uh, the problem with leaving is there were plenty of slots for for people to have left Iran, and, and others filled it. Uh, the Jewish community, many of them, these thousands did not leave, and they and they do lead a full Jewish life. They have right. yeshivas, right. they have restaurants, they right. have uh, they have things. But the problem is that you can't get into America. Right. And some of the way station countries won't take people unless they know that they're going to be able to leave in a relatively short time. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and NahumSiegel.com, and the NahumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Holmline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. If you're a new listener, like so many people in Florida became this week, um, Friday, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time discussion about current events through the weekly update. By the way, um, it's funny. I, I spoke to somebody who had recently been to Saudi Arabia, um, and I'm sure you know a million people who, who you know, are still traveling and, and are in touch business-wise and government-wise with people there. Um, it, it, I, I know that there are indications from the, uh, uh, the, from the, um, uh, the government of Saudi Arabia that there will be some type of Abraham Accords move by them soon. But what does soon mean? Like, should we stop holding our breath and this could take a year or two? I wouldn't hold your breath. <laughs> I don't know how long you can do it. But, if uh, look, they they make all sorts of uh, soundings, but I don't see it as imminent. I think it's, uh, it's still complicated for them, but they are making other moves. There are Saudis visiting Israel and, Mer and Jewish and Israeli businessmen visiting Saudi. Uh, tourists are going. Uh, we're breaking the barriers there and in other countries. Their airspace uh, is now open? There are more open airspace over Saudi Arabia? In yeah, but not the full ah. airspace for Israel. I mean, to fly over to the Far East. And, Got it. But right now, already for the UAE, for I think Emirates or whatever, they fly to Dubai and, uh, to Dubai and then to the Far East. It takes about three hours off the flight. Right. But the, um, uh, the, the, I mean, there are... A lot of things going on, and there was a lot of celebrations in the last couple of weeks. Right. And in it, people 
And I know some of them who really don't have a clue about why they're saying that there's going to be this breakthrough. There are countries that are interested, and in the, in the, one of the things that helps is the United States is more open expressions of support for the Abraham Accord, as we have seen. The Secretary Blinken hosted Foreign Minister Lapid and the Foreign Minister of the UAE, Foreign Minister Bahrain last week. They, they have uh, visited Israel and um, he was in the Lapid visited Bahrain. Uh, there were meetings between the Prime Minister and some of the representatives of Arab countries. So there, there's still the tumult. The, the trade figures with with UAE really are very impressive and could reach a billion dollars this year. Uh, with the other countries, it's more limited. All right, understood. Maybe it is just that whole anniversary fervor that's making people assume that you know. Things, I think that's right. Yeah, you know, things are moving forward. The, the real action this week, unfortunately, is for the people of Lebanon. Uh, looks like the government's collapsing. Looks like there's uh, uh, riots in the streets. What's happening in Lebanon at this point? No, the government has collapsed, and it's been in collapse for for a while. But it uh, it's becoming a free for all. And what's interesting is well, there are a couple factors. One is the buildup of Hamas in in Lebanon, which Hezbollah doesn't like, and um, and also that they are far less responsible, and they could bring. Uh, escalate events along the border, and that could bring responses on the people of Lebanon. And they're saying, you know, we don't want uh, Hamas um, engaging these activities. So that's one factor. Second is that the government don't seem to be able to get their act together, and there were incidents uh, and major demonstrations between Christians, uh, armed Christians going to the streets and armed uh, followers of Hezbollah. There were clashes. People were killed. There were big demonstrations about the investigation of the port uh, and the failure of the investigations of the port, and because they believe it's tied to higher-ups and about the corruption, which is so widespread there as it is in other places in the Middle East. And it was during that rally that the bomb occurred, right? And then the bombing occurred. And Lebanon itself is, is, um, you know, it's, it's in a very delicate state. You have all that infrastructure of Hezbollah in the south of Lebanon, along the northern border of Israel, where you have 150,000 missiles deployed, you have uh, very sophisticated equipment, and and a whole network of underground tunnels where they can move over vast areas um, to uh, you know to carry their message, uh, their uh, fighters or their equipment. Uh, so Lebanon is in a very sorry state, and they can't even get to the exploration of their oil. Um, and reach an agreement with Israel over demarcating the lines, uh, which would bring them uh, financial resources. Uh, so it's it's um, Lebanon is a very tender and potentially explosive place right now. Yeah, it seems like it always has been, but now uh, maybe worse than ever. Uh, is Israel involved in a prisoner exchange? The latest news says that that might be imminent. There have been talks about it for a long time. So far we haven't seen it. I think the public's um, appetite for it has diminished because of the price we paid for recidivists from past deals. Uh, But on the other hand, uh, the commitment is still to get everyone home. You see even the renewed interest after decades in Ron Arad by the government. There is not particularly new news. And I was very involved with his family at the time in the case and following it up for a long time. Um, at least we should get, make sure that he comes back to Israel for for, for burial. Uh, but there's a lot of talk about a deal that was the Egyptians were trying to negotiate a Hamas-Israel uh, exchange 
in, for, for people in Gaza. And, you know, we have two Israelis who wandered across the border who are probably mentally challenged and um, two of the soldiers. Uh, but people are saying you, you don't pay, you know, this exorbitant price for, for them because they're guys who who will just come back. We're going to release people who will do what the last groups did, and that is just revert back to being terrorists. It's the old story, as we say. Um, is it, oh, by the way, i got to ask you about this. I, I'm sure, I mean, you saw the viral video at the interview with Ben and Jerry uh, <laughs> and the story with Sally Rooney where she will not sell her translation rights to her book to Israel uh, because of a boycott. Uh you know what the problem is? I think I could have answered the Ben and Jerry question better than they did. <laughs> I I don't I don't have the same policy or believe in the politics that they do, and I could have answered it better. Uh, they they can't even they can't even think clearly enough to say that you know that they have a lot of you know difficulties with a lot of policies around the world, but this is the biggest priority for them. They can't they can't even articulate that. It, it seems like people who are boycotting Israel don't even understand why they are at times. Yes, and they and they uh, said that they were avowedly supporters of the existence of state of Israel, very strong supporters. Right. Um, I'd love to see whether donations went through Israeli institutions. Yeah. But the the um, I think that it says a lot. I, you picked up a very important point about the the inability to answer. Right. Uh, and it's a left-wing media, I think, who, who were uh, right. outlet. And, uh, and she simply said, well, why are, you, why are you trading in Georgia and Texas? Right. And the guy said, hmm, I don't know. It's a good question. It's not a good question. <laughs> and, and, I mean, it's, it's, it's appropriate to ask him it. But you see that it's not really based on a thought-out position, and it's, it's that the automatic knee-jerk reaction of the extreme left and uh, unfortunately, there's even one entity that, that wants to, is honoring them, supposedly at their dinner, because of their moral stance. It's not a moral stance. It's hypocritical. It's a lie. It's, it's, uh, it's something that they can't themselves uh, justify. Right. If you can't articulate a position, I mean, my God, they, they, they went ahead and they established an international reputation for the stand that they're taking, and they can't explain the stand. Anyway, I don't know why I'm yelling at you about Ben and Jerry, but <laughs> I don't need it, so it's okay. I boycotted completely. <laughs> that, that that's pretty... they boycott me too, I guess. So it's okay. <laughs> that was before the policy, or only since the policy that you're boycotting? No, even before, because I knew it was coming. <laughs> oh, I, I thought you were just. I thought you were but, just. But trying... you know, they don't own it anymore. Unilever right, owns right, it, right? And New Jersey, Arizona, and other states have, right. uh, you know, are. Getting rid of the stock right. in Unilever, which is important because right. in each case it's over hundred million dollars. Right. Um, it's not, and Unilever uh, officials have come out and said it's not their policy that, that they the deal they signed when they bought it is that they have independent judgment, right. right, the right to make their own judgment about stance that they take. But I think Unilever has ways to get the message across, and the more people who engage in in the uh, eliminating. Ben and Jerry, not only is it healthy for them, but it will be healthy for uh, the Middle East, too. Now, now, you and I have had discussions about boycotts slash free speech in the past. Um, now, on the heels of what we just discussed, what should be our attitude and or action when school boards or individual teachers are calling for balanced uh, a teaching of the Holocaust in their uh, schools? Meaning, they're they're actually saying that uh, that there should be uh, the other side, quote-unquote, presented when a Holocaust course is given? Well, it, that, that is one example of 
a whole panoply of cases that we have where teachers are introducing both this radical curriculum, the rewriting of history, the revisionist history, the anti-Israel, and even in cases purely anti-Semitic uh, content. And parents have to stand up. And I, I sometimes can be difficult. We saw with that parent who stood up at the, the board education meeting um, uh, in the South. And, and But all over the country, we get these reports all the time now of the, the hostile content that is being introduced on, on college campuses. It's given, but they yeah. say, well, they're adults. But here we're talking about little kids. And to say that there has to be a balance on the Holocaust education, but this is one person. There's no evidence that this is a, a bigger policy. But the very fact that in this time and, and age that that is something somebody can get away with and, and that wouldn't arouse, you know, kind of automatic revulsion about, I mean, are we going to say, you know, have somebody give us another side of Hitler and another side of, of concentration camps? So it's very disturbing, but it's a sign of the times. It's it's. Anti-Semitism, unfortunately, continues. The physical assaults continue. The um, intellectual assaults. And as you said, you know, that when the author says that she doesn't want a book published in Israel, now she says she would be honored to have it published in Hebrew, just not in Israel. Uh, Well, who's going to read it (laughs) if it's published outside? And, uh, you know, but again... It's an indication. Is this really a policy that you want to see introduced? Is this what intellectual freedom dictates? Yeah, and they're the ones, of course, who are always uh, demanding or um, uh, fighting for individual uh, freedoms like that. And uh, sure enough, they're at the forefront of this battle. Um, In Israel, is there a real effort to block Lapid from becoming prime minister? Like, what's happening there uh, at the forefront of the Israeli government? Well, it's not a decision that has to be made now, and right now the government is trying to hold it together, and of course Lapid wants to become prime minister. You've had various people speak out. Gantz said that he would entertain going with Likud if, if Netanyahu wasn't there, and Yuli Edelstein came out uh, saying that he would challenge Netanyahu, although the inter- polls of, uh, of the Likud members show that he, Netanyahu enjoys 83% support. Wow! Uh, um, that's this week. That's a big number. Yes, it is. And and remember, there the the look at the difference in size. Bennett had a, as six members in the parliament. Right. Really good as over thirty. And the latest poll shows about thirty four seats. Again, this is all speculative. Uh, I think that um, Bennett and Lapid know that they they need each other. They depend on each other, and are trying to move in a deliberate way. Um, you know, and sometimes to get caught. You saw the Bennett's comments this week about, uh, you know, that he's happy that there are Haredim and all that, but we should yeah. limit their power. You know, that's not, I wouldn't dare say that about other groups or other sectors. And, um, uh, you know, I think his, their, their, his appearance is here. Bennett's, uh, both at the U.N. and his meetings in Washington just prior, were successful. They seem to be, you know, being able to build working relationships with the administration, with Congress. They're doing a lot of outreach to the Democrats um, who have been feel alienated over the years. Yep. Uh, so it's it's um, I don't think anybody's speculating now about what will happen. You know, Netanyahu built uh, got a reputation that he would make these deals and then not fulfill them. So I don't think they they want to. The, the real thing that they're trying to show is that they're not BB. When their travels abroad and all of that, the tone it's all to say that this is a new a new wave. And I have to say, in my meetings with world leaders during uh, the UN week uh, and many Arab leaders, but others, 
there was a different tone and different uh, sense. But, you know, events also dictate that. Yeah, I hear that. But it's interesting because the comparisons that have been made over the last many years, but obviously uh, much more so in the last year or so between Trump and Bibi, it's just like Trump is not gone from the political scene. Anybody who thinks Bibi's finished, you got to think twice because with with numbers like that and the way Israeli politics work, he could works. He could be back in power, or at least a major influence. You know, right around the corner. It could be, and you know that this is a tenuous coalition, right. and you know they work walk on eggshells to make sure the budget gets through and the other things which they have to do. Uh, but there are issues that could um, rend them apart. There's certainly some of the minority parties uh, there. Um, uh, although most are minority parties, and they they would um, you know so they're being very careful I think in their treatment of others. But Gantz and Bennett were in a heated exchange over the revelations about the Mossad operation kidnapping an Iranian general and why it was released and uh, whether it should have been released at all. Um, it was surprising that it was, but it may have been for a different purpose. So there there are points of tension and. You know, time, we'll have to see how it plays out. All right. You know what we never discussed because it was yunt of time? Uh, the New York Times uh, in-depth coverage of the uh, robo uh, the robo um, hit. You know you know what I'm talking about, you know, with Israel. Yes, uh, in Iran, against the head of the nuclear program. Right, and, uh, the, and the Times actually got criticized by pro-Israel groups for the way they portrayed it. Did you think that was justified? Look, I think it's an interesting story, but it wasn't anything new. I mean, the story had been right. told That's months true. before, you know, about about how this was done, right. and they got some more technical information from somebody, and so therefore felt that they it wasn't an exclusive but a uh, story. Right. But some of the details uh, were good, and and it shows the ability that Israel has to strike against those who who are oh my threatening gosh. its existence. I mean, and that message isn't lost. You know, yeah. on the other leaders, and, you know, there have been many other eliminations. There were uh, the attacks that took place, and now you know that there's going to be this huge, uh, the largest ever international air drill, which is being kicked off with Israel, with um, Germany, Italy, Britain, France, India, Greece, and the United States. And, you know, when they look at that and they say, whoa, what's happening there? And in the meantime, their uh, places have been targeted, that drone factory in Koshan, which is the central place for building the drones. Uh, they have seven locations around Iran, but uh, was mysteriously hit in, in the last weeks. And, you know, there were other um, um, incidents. Right. And we know that there were attempts by Iran to carry out assassinations in Colombia and elsewhere. Uh, so, you know, there's much more going on than people tend tend to believe. The Pakistani scientist who died this week—that was natural causes, right? The new yeah, AQ Khan. But you know that this was really Doctor Evil. He he was the one who proliferated the uh, nuclear information, made it available to different countries, uh, like uh, including Iran, we believe. And um, but he died of natural causes, and right. uh, I think he was 85. Yeah. Uh, finally, as I asked you off the air, Malcolm, anybody who thinks they know what type of uh, policy Israel is going to have toward Americans who want to visit it in the month of November, nobody knows. And I, I shouldn't even bother asking you the question. It's unfair because <laughs> nobody knows. Simple as that. Don't believe everything you read. That, that is absolutely right. Don't believe everything you, need, you read. Um, there are 
you know, people did get in. Some increasing numbers will in November. They're supposedly revising it. It's not clear what they will demand in terms of inoculation, a third inoculation or a double inoculation and then tests, and you have always the threat of quarantine. So everybody should be very careful in checking with their travel agent what the rules are before they <laughs> assuming plan a trip. That, assuming they know, yeah. Yeah, so, right. And and the government, though, is, is coming out, and I think there's supposed to be a meeting there was a meeting this week, at the end of this week, or maybe next week, where they're going to put out the rules for November. There are some that have been published, but frankly, I find them so confusing, yeah. it's hard to discern which one, which is which. Easier to go to Kiev, huh? <laughs> yeah. And also, there's good news from Morocco. The new government in Morocco is remarkable. The Akhanoush, uh government, they, they knocked the Muslim Brotherhoods down to 12 seats, I think. It's, it's like 10% of what they had. And uh, this is all to the credit of the king and his the way he dealt with this. And I discussed it all along, you know, where he said, okay, here are the keys, and you you guys think you can do a better job, and he quickly exposed them. And I think it's, a, it's again, a story that they won't tell when it's positive in the country that's pro-American and sympathetic to Israel, building up the ties, a lot of exchanges going on there as well. Well, amazing. Uh, Malcolm, I thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak again next week. Malcolm, thank you so much. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time here at JM in the AM. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman Kosher Hot Dog Sausage and Deli is the world's best, serving the kosher world since 1954. And available at Better Kosher Supermarkets Nationwide. Do what I did. I went to Aaron's Casino Farms, and I loaded up on A&H hot dogs yesterday. Try A&H today. You'll be glad you did. Friday morning broadcast, JM the AM. Also, I want to remind everybody that our friends at ShopEichlers.com have everything related to challah on sale. <laughs> no joke. Everything related to challah on sale at um, 15% off. So challah boards, challah knives, challah covers, salt shakers, it's all available now. ShopEichlers.com, ShopEichlers.com. Check out the website, and don't forget, they have same-day delivery to most neighborhoods in New York and New Jersey. Go to ShopEichlers.com for details. This time each and every Friday, every era of Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader emeritus, congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. And wow, with this week's parsha of Lech Lecha, that tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parsha's Lech Lecha. And according to the Chinuch, we do have the second of the three mitzvos found in the book of Bereshis, namely that of circumcision, Prismila. In Parsha's Lech Lecha, we are experiencing a new creation. Two weeks ago we read Parshas Bereshis. Bereshis Bara Lokim Hashem created a world, a perfect universe. And now in Parshas Lech Lecha we have the fulfillment of that which we find in the second chapter of creation. Ele Todos Shamayim Ba'aretz Behi Bar'am this is the genealogy. This is the unfolding of heaven and earth when they were created. And the Balaturim on that Pusuk tells us that this, the letters of Behibar Um spell the Avraham. Namely, says the Balaturim, Kibischus Avraham 
in the merit of Avraham, that Avraham is going to come along and literally change the world, Nivra'u Shemaim Va'aretz, based upon the Medrash Bereshis Rabbah, chapter 12, paragraph 9, in the merit of Avram was the world created. Wow! So whereas the first two parshios, Bereshis, the first thousand years of creation, Noach, the second thousand years of civilization, Lech Lecha contains the life of Avram Avinu and 24 years exactly in the life of Avram. It starts when he is 75, when he fulfills the command of Lech Lecha, literally go, not knowing where he's going, just knowing where he is leaving and what he is leaving, and it finishes with chapter 17 with Avram Avinu at 99 performing the mitzvah of circumcision. I'd like to focus on a specific verse coming from chapter 15. This is after Avram goes to war as he had given his word to his nephew Lot, Im hasmol v'emina, if you go to the left, I'll go to the right. When they have to split, as the Torah tells us in chapter 13, because there was a quarrel, because Lot's, Avram's nephew, their shepherds, his shepherds, were stealing from the local people, Lot claiming that Avram did not have an heir, and Hashem promised the land to Avram, so we might as well take it and use the land now. When the Torah says, Vaknani Vaprizi Az Yoshev Ba'aretz, that the Knani and Prizi people had possession of the land at that time, and the shepherds of Avram rebuked those of Lot. Lot did not change, so Avram says, I cannot live with a thief. And therefore, let's split but if you need me, I will be there for you. And so Avram in chapter 14, true to his word, when the land of Canaan was overrun by the four kings who defeat the five kings, Avram Avinu goes out with 318 of his students and they defeat the four kings. And so what do we have? We have at this point here that Right afterwards, in chapter 15, Avram says to Hashem, Very nice, but I don't have an appropriate heir. And I'm afraid that the uh, CEO of my company, namely Eliezer Damasek, Damascus, Eliezer is going to be the one to continue my not so much Avram's physical business, but taking over his spiritual business, namely monotheism. And so Hashem says to Avram, no, it's not going to be Eliezer, but rather a child that will be born through and from your loins. And then Hashem says to Avram in chapter 15, Pasuk 5. That's the Pasuk I want to take. Bring the verse to the table. 15.5, Vayotzei Oso HaChutzah. Hashem takes Avram outside 
outside of his tent, outside of his house, Vayomer, and he says to him, Habitna Shemaima, Avram, look up to the sky, Usfor Akochavim, and count the stars. Imtuchalisporosam, can you count them? Vayomer lo, and Hashem said to him, the word lo spelt with a vav, to him. Not that Avram answers, no, I can't. Hashem says to him, Kol yezarecha, so will your children, your progeny, be. Now, how do you understand those last three words? Kol yezarecha. At first glance, the Pasuk means that as numerous as the stars are, and you can't count the stars, that's the way your children are going to be. I'd like to share with you a delicious interpretation of Rav Meir, the late Rav Meir Shapira, the founder of Yeshiva Chachmei Lublin, the founder of the Dafyomi that he started in 19. 19- 23, and to I mention this specifically because this past Wednesday, the seventh day of Marcheshvan, was his yard site. Okay, he passed away in 1946. Now, listen carefully to his interpretation. Let's go back to the text. Hashem takes him outside and he says to him, Look up to the heavens and count the stars. Stop right there. I ask you, when Hashem told Avraham to count, does Avram begin to count? Or does he say, wait a minute, this is beyond me. There's no way that I can possibly do it. And so therefore, Avram does not count. And says Rav Meir Shapira, no, Usfora Kochavim means count the stars. Avram, though he knows that he can't do it ultimately, it's not within the possibility of man to count the, and I don't have the right word, beyond trillions of stars that there are there. But because Avram's desire is so great to fulfill the will of God, he begins. He tries. That's all that counts. You do yours. You try. And this is what Hashem says to him, Ko zarecha. So too will your disciples, will your children be. Now what does that mean? It means that Avram's children are not going to gauge their desire based upon their ability, based upon that which is asked of them, but just the opposite. Their ability is going to be based on their desire. And their desire is to do the will of God. Their desire is to listen to Hashem. And once one has that incredible desire, then oftentimes one will attempt the impossible. And by attempting the impossible, Hashem will awaken within them potential that they never thought or realized that they had. Now, out there is that very 
famous expression, to reach for the stars. It's one of those we added first. We added first right here. Generally speaking, what does that mean? That a mentor, a parent, will tell a child, a student, set goals that are especially high. Reach for the stars. Because if you set low goals for yourself, unfortunately, that's what you're going to accomplish. If you set high goals and you reach for the stars, even if you don't actually get there, you're going to accomplish so much more. And this is how the late Rav Meir Shapira learns this pasuk here of Ko Yezarecha. And let me just tell you, my friends, he was Na'ed Doresh. He explained these psukim beautifully, but he was Na'ed Mekayim. He not only darshaned, not only taught this, but he lived it. He was Mekayim it. He, in 1923, is the one that initiated the concept of Adaf Yomi. Now, I ask you, think about it. Im por osom? Hashem says to Avram, can you count them? Listen carefully. There are 2,711 dapim of Shas. One who starts Dafyomi. Im por osom? Can you count them? Can you finish them? Will you have the ability to go through all of Shas, the six Sidorim of Mishnah, and to have the stamina that very often we're all involved with so many other distractions, but to have this commitment that this is the essence of my day. And I have to tell you, amazing, the last Siyam Shas occurred shortly right before Corona hit. And I don't have to tell you that for so many people, Corona became literally kiheim chayenu. They were shut in, but it gave them something new, something exciting, something so special to live for. And it really gave them life during that very difficult time. And I can only tell you how many people find a sense of meaning and purpose coming from learning the Dafyomi. And therefore, ko zarecha. This is how your children are going to be. This is going to be the virtue of your children. And I just wish to conclude with another interpretation of ko zarecha. And that is as follows. Rashi says, and in his third interpretation of this whole episode of taking him outside of his tent, Rashi says, He took Avram from literally the cavity of this world, and he put him above the stars, basically saying, Avram, you are not bound by the normal aspects of Teva of this world. You're going to live, and your progeny are going to live beyond 
this world, beyond the natural. Now watch. Let's fast forward, please God, to the end of next week's parsha in Vayera, where you have the Akedah, and Avram, who sees the Onon, the cloud of Hashem, over the mountain. Yitzchak sees the cloud, and he asks his two Neorim that are accompanying him, Eliezer and Yishmoel, do you see anything? And they say no. Avram says to them, Stay here with the donkey. As the donkey doesn't see, neither do you. But me and Yitzchak, we're going, not po here, but we're going ko. We're going there. What does that mean, adko? So Rashi says in next week's parsha, adko means a little bit beyond, but he quotes the Medrash that says as follows, I remember Hashem said in this week's parsha, ko yezarecha, that my children are going to be beyond the norm, beyond the natural. Let me see if there's going to be a fulfillment thereof. And sure enough, what happens next week when Yitzchok says to his father, bind me tighter, that I don't flinch, that I don't disqualify the korban, what is Yitzchok doing? Yitzchok is demonstrating that he too, like his father, is beyond the natural. This is Klai Yisrael. This is the beautiful interpretation of Rav Meir Shapiro and this is his legacy that he leaves behind and this is the proud lifestyle that we have as Jews whereby HaKadosh Baruch Hu says Ko and how proud and privileged we are to be counted amongst this very honorable special people Shabbat Shalom to all My thanks to Rabbi Yudin, of course. J.M. and the A.M. on a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Parshas, Lech Lecha. Candlelighting time at 5.55 in the New York area. Make sure you know when things start where you are. We're at 5.55 here in New York uh, with candlelighting time. D- a delicious cup of Gaia coffee. That's something that would uh, enhance your Friday morning. Go to GAIACoffee.com. GAIACoffee.com. Gaia coffee, it's very simple. You have your mug, your cup, your glass of boiling hot water. You toss a Gaia coffee brew bag into the glass, and you're all set a couple of minutes later with a delicious brewed cup of coffee. Check it out, GaiaCoffee.com. Enjoy a 15% discount on anything you purchase with promo code RADIO, G-A-I-A, coffee.com. Check it out and enjoy. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Many of you know that 10 Yacht has their big event this coming Sunday. It's two days, nine hours and 52 minutes away. Go to tenyad.org for all the auction information. Again, that's tenyad.org for all the auction information. One of the volunteers and uh, people who helps coordinate the uh, big event coming up on Sunday is Minna Sputz, who's with us live via telephone. Minna, a pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Thank you. Happy to be here. Appreciate that. Big event Sunday night. Tell this audience, what is Ten Yad? Yes, sure. Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> Tenyan Hafnasus Kala is a duck organization that helps Kalas that are struggling to prepare for their wedding and setting up their home as they start out in life. 
It couldn't be colors that are of middle one orphans or those coming from compromised life circumstances. We are here. And um, what's been unique about Ten Yad is its incredible growth. Some might call it Hachnasas Kala on steroids, frankly, because Ten Yad, which started locally, if I'm not mistaken, Minda, is now officially an international organization, right? It is. It is. And what's, what's actually the driving force behind it is that, you know, we've recognized that when the Kala gets engaged and everyone's all excited and the joy is tremendous, we, we've seen it. And then suddenly the reality of after the, the, big, the big celebrations are over, you know, the initial mazel tugs, the college suddenly hit with, oh, no, how am I going to pull this off? Yeah. And we've watched and seen, sadly, you know, the, the, the pain that uh, too many colleges have uh, experienced. And we say we are here to help. By the way, we have to point, I mean, you, you've alluded to it, but I want to reiterate. Um, a, a lot of Hachnas' Kala efforts, to their credit, will concentrate on what a Kala needs to set up her home, etc. And obviously, a Tenyad does that, like I said, you know, to, to the nth degree. Uh, but when it comes to wedding gowns and making sure a Kala looks the way she wants to look and has what she needs to have for the wedding day itself, you're there as well. Absolutely. We have a beautiful bridal showroom that was designed to give the Kala the feeling that are shopping at a high-end boutique. It is kept very orderly, clean. The first part of the showroom has the bridal gown. It's beautifully organized by size and style. The Kala has a personal Kenyan member that is present to assist the Kala, choosing the gown of their dreams. The Kalas are beyond grateful. Yeah. And they get to, uh, it's alone. That's it. It's just alone. And by the way, uh, those of you wondering, you know, especially when I mentioned international, people always, you know, coming in and and getting a uh, a taste of the Tenyad experience, uh, even during Corona, under very difficult circumstances, the organization was able to stay open, stay active, and I don't think you guys missed a day in terms of servicing callers that are uh, that reached out with uh, uh, with a uh, with a request. Absolutely. Following all the protocols, the health issues that were going on, we were there right through it. And we helped Kalas. Kalas got married in backyards or whatever it was, but we were there, whether it was for the gowns or the help that Tenyad gives to the Kala with the, uh, you know, all of the, the, the setups that we do to help them get started out in life. Minna Sputz is with us, and the reason she and I are talking about this is what's happening Sunday night when Avram Fried, Yaakov Shweki, Lipa, Benny Friedman will all be together on stage, tenyad.org. Tenyad.org is the website. We're two days and nine hours away from an incredible event. The auction has become uh, one of the most amazing, really international events. It's prize winning, it's face grinning, and it's a live drawing, as it's described on the website. Um, uh, Minna, I'm sure you're familiar with some of the incredible prizes. Uh, I, I would bet you've heard from a lot of very excited and hopeful people this week <laughs> that their name is chosen this coming Sunday night. Absolutely. And there will be winners, but the main thing is everyone must remember they are a winner. Yeah. By giving to the organization, you're giving to someone that you will never meet, you will never know, but somebody will be helped. It's done with Every uh, Kala, there's a screening process, and those that need are given. Uh, it's given with dignity, with uh, confidentiality, 
And with joy, every call is made to feel like she is number one, and we really give it our all in that way. I was there. I saw the facility, and it really is beautiful. It's set up in a way that, uh, as you said, the confidentiality is secure, and the uh, incredible um, uh, generosity of the Tanyad supporters is on display because they have everything you can imagine. Every single category is just beautiful, and the Kalas, no matter what background they have, whether it's a background where, God forbid, they've lost a parent or whether it's a background where, God forbid, the, the family has very little money, whatever the background is, they feel like a million bucks going into their wedding day. More detail about this if you tune in Sunday night uh, at tenyad.org because we'll be talking about uh, all of this and displaying to everybody um, and or describing to everybody the incredible prizes, but more importantly, telling stories about what Tenyad has done to continue to help Kalos. Amina, anything else you'd like to add? I think we are just very excited to have everyone join. Uh, the the uh, the venue is incredible, and we know it will top anything that anyone's been a part of till now. It's really going to be a smashing success, and we're grateful to everyone who will join and be a part and give uh, just our basics just to be in the know. And I don't know, um, we, we can talk about it, but... Our collars, uh, the cost is about $2,200 per collar at a wholesale price in that, um, you know, they get their cutlery, the dishes, the pots, the towels, the linens, the stipend towards their trousseau, to the, towards the shade. So everything is there. So some people may choose to be part of the auction and get prizes. Some people may just want to sponsor a, a collar, a partial collar. You may want to do it in honor of a host for something, for someone, for a birthday, an anniversary, for a host someone should become a collar, whatever it is. The organization is there. It's highly credit, credible to the oomph degree, and uh, we're just here to say let's make it happen so that we can continue helping callers and do what we do well. Phenomenal. Thank you. A pleasure. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and we're looking forward to a big Sunday night. Minna, I thank you. I'm Minna Sputz from the uh, Tenyad organization. Go to tenyad.org, tenyad.org slash auction for details about Sunday night, tenyad.org to make a donation and to support what is an amazing and incredible Hachnasas Kala organization? Um, the details, as she just uh, alluded to, are incredible. The way they handle every single case and the way they're able to provide so much for a Kala at a relatively very, very low cost. I know a couple of grand sounds like a lot. Not when you see what they're able to set up a Hassan and Kala in terms of their home uh, when they're starting out. So uh, tenyad.org for information, tenyad.org. For information, more coming up. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Lach Lecha, JM in the AM. Come, it's 
Mordechai Ben David, wow, what a song that is. Lona Zuz, and of course you heard Deddy's Lona Zuz. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, JM in the AM. Don't forget that Mark Zamek has an Erev Shabbos show brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. It's at 10 a.m. Eastern time, and it concentrates specifically on this week's Parsha, like every week. Uh, that's coming up at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Don't forget about the Erev Shabbos music mix all day long, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Our final hour at about a quarter to uh, five Eastern time. Brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, Siegel with Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. On uh, uh, on Sunday, it's Matis with JM Sunday, beginning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. A two-hour program, and um, Matis's commitment to do a live show every single Sunday is, is more than exemplary and so much appreciated. And make sure to join him 7 o'clock uh, Eastern Time this coming Sunday. 
with JM Sunday here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Um, yeah, and then back here Monday morning at JM in the AM. Please, God, and I certainly hope you'll be part of uh, this amazing audience, not just on Fridays, but all week long. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM in the AM.
Achenu Yisrael and Achimachem, our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored digital radio. Round the world, the web, and AchimSigl.com, and then AchimSigl Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing week for us here at JM in the AM. Nice to be uh, part of yet another full week, right? Was that our second full? Oh, it's our first full week back. Wow, nice to be part of no, it's our second, yeah, it's our second full week back. Thank you. <laughs> nice to be part of another great full week here at JM and the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network. Mark Zomik with the Arab Shabbos Show coming up at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Make sure to be tuned in. You'll be glad you did. Stay with us all day long, of course. Arab Shabbos Music Mix brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Final hour at about 4.45. Brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. And plenty more. Uh... Tomorrow night, Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler with Saturday Night Siegel Matis with JM Sunday at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Make sure to be tuned in. It's live Sunday morning. And have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend. Until next time, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.